My name is Cordy Walker, and I've been lucky enough to travel all over the world talking with leading researchers, instructors, and golfers themselves to learn how we all can play our best golf ever. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Golf Science Lab podcast. Uh, man, this is a crazy time in our lives as um, most of us are at home working instead of in the office. If you, uh, if you hear a baby in the background, um, that's because there's one six feet away from me right now. So uh, lives are definitely changed, but we're going to continue on here with Golf Science Lab because, hey, we've got a bunch of stuff uh, recorded video wise from trips in the past, uh, and we're working on that to get more of that out over on YouTube. You can see the off-season project and then podcasts are great because um, we have some recorded from in person and then we can do it uh, while everyone's at home via Zoom or Skype or whatnot. So it's going to be fun to carry on with Golf Science Lab to hopefully entertain you, educate you. So you have a whole notebook full of ideas of what you want to try, what you want to do when you head back to the golf course. So I am excited to be here. Uh, now's a great time to interact with us over on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. I would say probably um, Twitter and Instagram are the best places to follow along. But today is super interesting. I was uh, going to do this podcast, talk about something different. But uh, Sal Saeed, he is the CEO and co-founder of Arcos Golf, the sensors you put on the, the back of your clubs that track shots and rounds, et cetera. And I was just curious to talk data with him, what they're seeing from the millions, I think 200 million shots that they have logged. Crazy amount. Um, so anyways, we talked quickly about what they're seeing as far as data of golf being clay, played through this um, COVID-19 situation. And then we talk about distance, a conversation uh, about, you know, as as we've gone on, are we hitting it farther because of technology? Um, are we not as us normal amateur folks? Uh, so that was a great chat and just a, a lot of good things. I'm always interested by people that have a lot of data on golfers and Arcos definitely does. So it's good to connect with Sal. Hope you enjoy this podcast and we will be back next week with another show. This episode is sponsored by Whoop. If you don't know what Whoop is, it is a fitness tracker. You've probably seen it on the wrist of guys like Rory or Justin Thomas, Tiger, Scott Stallings, and they're using it to track a few different metrics. One is strain, the other is recovery and sleep. And from what I've seen, what I've heard most people talk about, recovery and sleep as being these metrics that they're really enjoying diving into. Recovery is really simply how well you're ready to perform the next day. The more that you're recovered, the better you can perform at your peak. Uh, it's a strat, it's a stat that is worth tracking and I've found a lot of value personally and from what I've heard other pros talking about with me of how they're using it. Um, Whoop is a sponsor of the podcast and has given us an awesome discount code. You can use GSL to get a discount when you pick up your Whoop band. And we also have a Whoop team, which is awesome. So everybody in the Golf Science Live community who's picked up a band, we can kind of see what everyone's doing. You can make this into a game and try to get to your best when it comes to sleep and recovery and what you're doing with strain. So uh, you can head over to golfsciencelive.com slash Whoop and there's a code that you can uh, enter in and join our team. It'd be really fun to get everyone who's picked up a Whoop band involved on that. So make sure to check that out and whoop.com uh, code GSL for a discount. This episode is also sponsored by Super Speed Golf. Super Speed Golf is one of the makers of the best training system to help you swing faster. Uh, and they've just come out with a brand new product called Super Speed C. 
which is all about helping you increase your hand and arm speed by counterweight training. This is brand new. It just came out. Uh, I've been testing it for a little while. Super curious about this. We did a webinar with the guys. Uh, you can see the recording over at golfsciencelab.com slash webinar to learn more about Superspeed C and what it's all about. I think you're going to definitely want to do that as it's training something that I'm not sure if we've been able to train before on the golf swing. So golfsciencelab.com slash C to get all the details. All right, so we are sitting down with Sal Syed. He is the CEO, co-founder of Arcos Golf. There's no doubt you've seen them at this point. Uh, it is, uh, they have sensors embedded in the grips of clubs or they have a sensor that you can add to your golf club and they're tracking shots during a round and doing some really, th really interesting things with that data that we're gonna talk all about today. Sal, uh, how are you doing today? I am doing good, how are you? Good, so uh, we are recording this uh, Shortly before it's going live, uh, we're in the midst of, of COVID-19 here. So um, you guys are all working at home, uh, you said, yep. before we hit record? Yeah, yeah we uh, switched to work from home last Thursday. And uh, we're going to continue doing that as long as necessary. I mean, we're fortunate in the sense, uh, basically, everybody in the company who's on the software and data and I mean, most of the employees literally can work from home. Um, and so I think like the onus is more on communication and making sure everybody's communicating properly, frequently, uh, whether as a team or as a company. Uh, so, so we're, we're going to get through it like everybody else is. And it's a serious thing though. Yeah, absolutely. So golf has been an interesting topic during this because golf seems to be a, you know, a good thing to actually do because you're outside, you're not necessarily near people. If you don't, you know, go in the clubhouse or whatnot. Um, and I'm curious to hear, cause you guys are obviously tracking, uh, tons of rounds. I guess how many, how many users do you guys have, um, on the, we have on the about three, over 300,000, uh, registered users. And, uh, sorry about that ding. Um, <laughs> That's okay. And it's, uh, I mean, obviously spread globally, but I think it's like 196 countries that we have users in. Okay. Uh, so I would say basically anywhere there's a golf course, we have a user and we're growing um, like uh, pretty dramatically every year. So hopefully knock on wood that continues this year and the years beyond. And what have you guys seen as far as like rounds played or people playing? Um, playing yeah, so that's interesting. Like, uh, great question. We have this like internal tool in our office, anonymized anytime there's a um, shot taken by our system. Uh, on the map of the world, uh, there's like a, you can see like a ping, like a, like a blip on the map. And that gives us like the pulse of the Arcos ecosystem. And so we're, I would say we're probably like the only real time at scale monitoring system for golf, like to understand what's happening in the game. And um, our rounds are up like dramatically. They were up like 50% in February. Um, and are probably around up 40% uh, in, in that neighborhood in March. And we really haven't seen a slowdown in terms of golfers golfing, uh, which is interesting. In fact, um, uh, like if we, I would say uh, we haven't normalized this for weather conditions, but if we do, it might even be up right now. And that might be surprising to some people outside golf or maybe even inside golf, but 
not totally surprising because it is like when you look at my golf course, the only thing that's open there is the golf course. You can still go golfing and people are going golfing and a lot of people are working from home and maybe they'll find the extra time, a couple of hours for nine holes and things like that. And it, there's obviously all these mental health benefits too, as you're dealing with all the stress and everything uh, of what coronavirus is doing to the markets. Uh, golf might be a really good outlet. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like I would say, we're going to continue monitoring that. And we're almost like the leading edge uh, of the indicator, leading indicator of like uh, how golfers or the golf um, utilization is going to respond to coronavirus. So I'm kind of curious uh, myself to see how people are going to respond. Um, and we'll keep you guys updated on it. On yeah. Do you think there's anything, I would assume if you have an Arco system, you might be classified as somewhat of an avid golfer. Would you agree with that? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, um, we today, our product is targeted towards if you're playing more than say 15 rounds of golf a year, you're, you're in their wheelhouse as a user. So this is biased towards that set of golfers today. Um, and among that population, I don't think too much has changed. In fact, it might've changed in terms of maybe they're golfing more possibly. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'll be curious to hear as this goes on, you know, if that does slow down or what happens. Um, yeah. But uh, today we want to talk about, you know, some of the data findings that you guys have, have looked at. Could you give like a, maybe a quick overview of, you know, like, so you mentioned how many users, 300,000 users, like how many golf shots are happening? How many rounds are happening? on a you know daily or monthly basis with, mm -hmm. with that database well i know we've had over 200 million shots recorded it might be uh, north of that um we that was when we around the pga show i think it was like 200 million shots uh, we've had uh over like three million rounds uh, recorded with our system um and we grow about i would say 50 percent every year in that range um so the growth rate is really good. I think we're going to grow more this year, hopefully. I mean, we've got, yeah, we've got like so many shots recorded. It's like I was just doing some analysis um, before the PGA show. And um, in, in the, I think it's 16 years that ShotLink has been around, which records every single shot taken by uh, the PGA tour. If you combine all the shots that are recorded over that 16 year period, we've recorded 10 times that in the time that we've been around, which is like basically, I think we've been recording shots for the last four years or so. So actually we might've recorded 10 times that in one year. It's like crazy. I mean, the, but that's because there's like the utilization is increasing. People are using it. People are improving Our average user improves 4.2 shots. They're handicapped by 4.2 shots in the first season uh, with Arco. So so those are some fascinating things. We can get deeper into whatever you want to get deeper into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess my question is, you know, stuff tied to that data. What what other things are you collecting? Are you collecting like their skill? You know, for all those two hundred million shots, do you know mm -hmm. the skill level of that player? Like, what mm -hmm. what things do you know about that shot when you collect that? So data? Uh, it's it's yeah, we know. More uh, so for each shot, it's tied to a certain user. Um, it's tied to a certain golf course location. We know the terrain of the shot, the starting point, the ending point. We know the weather conditions associated with that shot. We know what direction the sun was shining in. We know what direction the wind was blowing. We know 
if it was like what, what the temperature was at 50 degrees, it was 110 degrees, two different weather conditions. Um, so we have all those variables tied uh, to that shot. And, and then we also know what club you played with now starting this year, earlier this year, we know what ball you used for that shot. Um, and then when you combine all that, I mean, it's really a wealth of information um, in terms of the kinds of analysis that can be done on it. And we also know, I mean, we're able to classify shots like, is it a tee shot? Is it a recovery shot? Is it a layup? Is it a, um, an approach shot, um, chip shot, sand shot, putt? And so we have those categorizations as well. Um, and then we're able to do very, very, very interesting analysis on it to give you insights that without this, they're just like impossible for golfers to get. Well, so one of the first things that you guys have done or uh, wanted to look at was this driving distance data that you published earlier mm -hmm. this year in February, mm -hmm. um, looking at like average driving distance and then breaking it down by gender and skill level and all that stuff. I thought that was fascinating. Um, do you want to quickly dive into that and kind of what are the what what kind of themes you saw when when looking at that? Yeah, I mean, I would say the overarching theme by far is the average golfer isn't driving it longer. So I think like the reason we shared that was as the USGA is going about making uh, decisions on what to do, like in terms of curtailing driver length, they're like when you looked at their report, um, it had all these pages, all this stuff about the 125 or 150 of the best golfers in the world out of like 50 million golfers in the world. Yep, um, yep. And they had like 1,200 shots recorded for um, the rest of us, like uh, the rest of the 50 million, not the 125. And so we wanted, and so we felt that it's important as this decision is being made, as the golf community is going about deciding what the future of golf looks like, that this data uh, be shared so that we can make a decision that actually is maybe more comprehensive. Uh, in addressing what the game needs, as opposed to just looking at those 150 people and then having massive repercussions for everybody else. And you look at, I mean, there really isn't, I mean, actually people aren't driving, people driving a little bit shorter and um, over the last, uh, from 2017 to 2019 on average, uh, they've lost, men have lost about three yards, women have lost about a yard. Um, and obviously there can be <clears throat> uh, multiple reasons uh, for that, we didn't. Um, we can. Uh, I would say there, there'll be more data analytics we'll have to do to figure out what the uh, reasons would be. But in in essence, when you look at like a golf club and uh, compare an old golf club to a new golf club, comparing it on a robot is one thing. But the real uh, way to compare performance and judge a drive, one driver versus the other, is the reason you bought it to make it go farther on the golf course. And that's what we're able to measure: is it actually going farther on the golf course or not? Because humans aren't robots. I mean, a certain driver might be great on a robot, but you might interact with it differently, visually, mentally, physically, emotionally. I mean, so we're 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 different beings, and this is what this data shows: is that it actually takes all of those metrics into account, and the uh, you exhibit that through your performance on the course. So we're not hitting it longer, and golf is not easy. So, so I don't, I mean, I just wanted to make sure that we get this in front of everybody before any drastic decisions are made. So there's data driving decisions and that's what we're all about. 
So I just hop down to average driving distance by handicap and, and we'll link this, um, this PDF as well over on the post along with this podcast. You can go download it and check it out. Um, but so average driving distance by handicap, I think is interesting personally. So like a zero to five handicap, uh, the average in 2017 was 244 yards, 2018, 244 yards, 2019, 242 yards. Um, which is interesting. And then like just going down and seeing the other extreme, a 21 to 25 handicap is 201 yards, 0. 0.3, 201.6, 200.9. Right. So yep. um, I think that's, that's really cool to see some of that data. Yeah. And basically, yeah, we did standard deviation. This is all like, I mean, it's like solid data. They're like it's indisputable that distances are actually going down. This is going down slightly. They're going down by yard. Doesn't really have that much of a scoring impact. Um, but they're not definitely going up, you know? So we thought that was really eye-opening. We thought it'd be going up a little bit, um, but data doesn't lie. I mean, I don't, I, I can't come up with any reasons why the distance would be going down. I mean, like just thinking out loud, like, are we hitting our irons better? Are we wedging it better? Are we putting it better? Like, I don't really see people getting better at putting, (laughs) honestly, so they could hit it shorter. So like, what, what do you, do you have any ideas? I mean, I think uh, my take on it, I mean, I, I can have ideas, but they're not backed by data. So we'd have to do a little bit more analysis. Uh, my take on it um, is it could be that from a product development standpoint, maybe we're optimizing the robot as opposed to optimizing the human being, because that's the only testing tool currently that's been available to uh, club manufacturers till our data. So might be optimizing the wrong thing. Um, that's one theory I have. Um, so like, we don't know when you make a driver look a certain way, um, what impact does that have on your club head speed or on your sweet spot contact or, um, uh, things like that. Those are not measured, um, because, uh, that's, there isn't an on-course tool, uh, to measure that. So I think in the absence of this data, the things that the engineers are working on might not be the right things to be working on. Gotcha. No, I, I, that's a very interesting concept and are you looking to then like would a dream for you to be to work with a company and test it over you know a large amount of people and gathering a bunch of data for drivers and then whatnot is that kind of like a concept you'd love to test out um yeah i would say that's a concept that's already been tested out by ping and cobra um and that's why they've partnered with us because they believe like on-course data is a key should be a key driver into your R&D processes. Um, and every year, you're gonna learn about the product, you're gonna understand, okay, I mean, so for example, uh, what we don't show here and the kinds of depths and detail we can go into is things like, are things like, okay, what happens in high wind conditions to your driver? Or what happens when it's wet? Um, a lot of, I would say the, the other thing I would say is um, when you go through a club fitting, uh, or a driver fitting, um, you're optimizing when when you're going through the optimization process. Uh, a lot of times, you're optimizing the carry, and if you're playing in the Northeast, um, that might be good, might not be, uh, because it depends upon the ground conditions. How like the course you play, does the ball run out or not? Um, and if you're optimizing carry, does that actually make the ball come backwards when it's landing because it's descending at like uh, such a steep angle, whatever it might be. Um, uh, I think uh, there's, th- but those conditions aren't available 
when you're going through like a fitting process and optimization process either. So it's like all these factors, whether it's R and D to fitting that don't show up um, in a hitting bay, which are there that you as a golfer are dealing with and might be causing you to not be optimally fit. Um, so, so I think whether it's um, club manufacturing or club fitting, uh, this course data, on-course data, Arco's data is going to drive it. And that's why, I mean, we just announced a partnership with Club Champion, which is uh, where the, the leaders in uh, custom fitting, and we're calling it smart fitting, where you're going to have an ongoing relationship with your fitter. So when you get fit for a new driver, now like the maybe the launch monitor says like you should be adding seven yards to your distance. You're going to be able to track that, that, that actually adds seven yards. You're actually going to be able to quantify did you, how many strokes is that going to gain you? Um, <clears throat> and are you actually doing that? And if not, the fitter will have access to your data if you give permission to them and they'll be able to pull you in and refit you because on-course data might show something else that the hitting bay and the launch monitors did not. I love that. I think that's a brilliant idea of kind of an ongoing fitting um, because we do adapt and change over time to our clubs and you know, what we get fit to, you know, from day one or what we grab from day one might not be what's best for us, you know, six, nine months from now. So I think that's, totally. that's and then, a great idea. Yeah. And then like, I would say the conditions change too, like uh, what might work in say s spring um, might not work in the heat of the summer might work again late fall. So, so those are the, I would say like the awareness around that is going to increase. I think people are going to have, a better understanding of what clubs work better with what today that hasn't existed because there hasn't been that data driven um, uh, on course data driven relationship between whether it's a fitter or a golfer or a club manufacturer or a golfer. And so that education level, that awareness level is going to increase um, and people are going to get smarter about what equipment really is optimal for them. And the companies are going to get smarter about that too, because they'll understand what you're doing better and as a result build better products for it were you surprised by any of these average distance by handicap i kind of like this this slide i think is interesting um so zero to zero to five you go 242 yards is the average and then you drop down to six to ten is 229 11 to 15 219 16 to 20 209 <clears throat> like there's there's a significant drop between each of those gaps yeah I think, which is and maybe then, a bit more than i, I would have guessed yeah i think one of the surprises to me which maybe shouldn't have been a surprise is there's a bigger gap between six to 10 and zero and five, like 13, 14 yards yep. versus say six to 10 and 11, 15. So the better you get, I would say the farther you get in driving distance. And part of that is probably not just club head speed. It's also more sweet spot contact. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but that was interesting uh, that the better you get, the wider the gap gets. Yep. Cause when you look at 21 through 25, it, to 16 to 20, like it's like a seven, eight yard gap. And then it gets all the way up to 14 and 15 for six to 10 to zero and five, that handicap group. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and, and I think, I think kind of the most interesting point about this is that, um, people should be trying to hit it farther because it's only going to help them. Um, I, you know, there's been some stuff, I don't know if you're familiar with Scott Fawcett or Mark Brody. Um, but one, I was, I was hanging out with them. We we're actually playing golf and we have a video of this, but to kind of summarize up a bit of their strategy, it was be, you know, aggressive off the tee and conservative into greens with the idea of 
too often, you know, people will lay back off the tee and they should be more aggressive because there's no hazard in play or whatnot, or there's no penalty strokes in play, but into greens, you're aiming at a pin when, um, you know, dispersion patterns show that you should just aim at the middle of the green because you don't really know where it's going to go, um, with your irons. Uh, and I mean, that's something that you guys keep track of as well with kind of the smart distance, right. Is dispersion patterns of irons and whatnot that, that people have. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, what they're saying is correct. The farther you hit, the better off you'll be because you're gaining more strokes off the tee. Um, I think the things to take into account are also, <clears throat> I think there's a couple of factors maybe that also need to be taken into account, which, I mean, until you have data, you can't. Um, one is your missed tendencies and the penalty for those misses. So um, if there's out of bounds to the right and you miss your drive, like your average miss, like let's say you're missing 33% of your drives to the right of the fairway and um, and the penalty is like there's out of bounds. That's a two-shot, two-stroke penalty um, and maybe there's a 10% chance you're going to hit that. So that needs to play into your calculation of optimization. The second thing, or if there are bunkers or other hazards, uh, and if you're, let's say, terrible out of um, – fairway bunkers, which with Arcos data, you'll know how many strokes you lose on average from there. Um, so those are things you need to factor in. You also need to factor in like, what are your, like if your proximity to the hole, uh, I believe we've seen data where like th- even like in the zero to five handicap bucket, there's a large chunk of golfers that are worse from 50 to 75 there than they are. Then there are from 75 to hundred yards, just from a proximity to the hole standpoint. Um, uh, because maybe they're blading more often or chunking more often from that range. So, so I think those are things you also need to consider, uh, which are maybe specific to you. So in a generic way, I would say the closer you are, the better off you are. But in a personalized way, that might not always be the case. So I think you have to factor that in. And obviously, like we help you do all of that stuff. And then you have to work on those weaknesses. But in general, yeah, you want to hit it longer as far as you can. But what's also interesting is when you miss the fairway, I mean, it's, uh, we were doing like a stroke skin analysis and um, actually let me share an interesting one. So what do you think, which holes are harder uh, for the average golfer, dog leg right hole or dog leg left? Oh, I'd got to, I'd assume dog leg left because the average golfer hits a slice, right? So. Probably. And that's what I thought too. And turns out, I would say same length hole, um, average dog leg right will play about 0.1 to 0.2 shots, depending upon your handicap, uh, harder. Same length hole, same difficulty, normalized for everything else. And then as we started looking at it, and basically it's, uh, um, I mean, so that's indisputable. Data is indisputable. Like dog leg rights are harder, um, by and large, for golfers on average, by 0.1 to 0.2 shots, hmm. uh, same length. And now we started debating internally, like why that might be. And the drives that, I mean, it seemed, I mean, we'll actually have to dig more into it. Uh, We haven't really done enough digging into it, but that was kind of the high level, like amazingly non-obvious insight. Um, And so we're going to look at things like, okay, is it that they're getting too aggressive off the team? Meaning maybe they're missing more to the right. Maybe they're playing the cut because they generally slice it. They feel more comfortable. And so they miss more widely, or is it, there what 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 could be the reasons what do you think the reason is 
I, I think you're kind of on, on point there with that idea of, you know, you think you can cut more off the corner, you know, so you go, you know, you're trying to do there, but then if you hit it to the right, then you're more stuck than if you hit it to the other side of the dog leg. Yeah. yeah true. Cause you don't really have a shot yeah. in from there. So, um, we'll look I, at the next thing we're going to look at is like, yeah, missed tendencies and where are they losing strokes? Are they missing? So it'll be interesting, but I, I would bet here would be my gamble is that you'll see the majority of tee shots missed to the right. And it's almost, it puts them into the situation of you got to punch out or something like that. I, that would be my, that's what I would put money on. Yeah, the other It'd thing I would punch also look at is like uh, club choices, which we haven't done. Like what are the, I, I would bet a lot more people are picking driver on dog leg rights than they are on dog leg left. Hmm. And so they're not blocking themselves out on dog leg left as a result. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, we'll, we'll, I mean, but there's like, I mean, it's fascinating. The data is fascinating. So I want to talk a bit about um, kind of your approach to strokes gained. Um, I, I did not use the system last season, but I had used it, I believe, the year before. And using kind of the personalized, you know, the drive approach chip, um, you know, all that putting, that kind of stuff to see where you're gaining strokes, losing strokes um, mm-hmm. is super helpful because we all, I, I mean, the more efficient we can get with our practice and, and the more time we can spend on the areas that we need it the most, the better we're going to be. Um, so, you know, looking at the data is, is critical. So you have made some improvements You're You're telling me, um, walk us through some of those and the impact that, that we're going to see. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be launching and we haven't really come out with an official announcement on this, but I'll share this with you. Um, uh, we're launching, uh, I would say, like a supercharged uh, strokes gained model. It's a neural net model, which is machine learning. I mean, I won't get into all the nuance around it, but basically it's applying the latest and greatest in data science uh, to get golfers amazing answers. And what we're able to do, uh, what you'll be able to do as a golfer, as an Arcos user, is set a target handicap. Let's say you're a 15 handicap and you want to get to a 10. Um, where are those five shots going to come from? Um, today I would say golfers do not have that answer. The average golfer doesn't, the PGA tour pros do. They know like, okay, uh, this is what Rory McIlroy's average score is. This is what my average score is where I'm losing those 1.3 shots or two shots around or whatever it might be. And that's what they're working on. And the average golfer doesn't know, um, if I'm a 15, what do I need to work to, to get to a 10? Like where exactly are those five shots going? Can you quantify that? Nobody can till now. Uh, what we've done is with, with our millions of rounds and hundreds of millions of shots, we've created a neural net algorithm that's benchmarked the performance of every handicapped golfer from every lie, from every terrain. Um, and so now we're able to tell you things like, and then we're, what we do is we break your game at a high level into driving, approach, short game, and putting. So we can say like, okay, these five shots, you know what you're actually gaining a shot versus a 10 handicap off the tee, but you're losing three shots in approach um, and you're losing uh, two shots on putting and your, your short game is where it should be. Uh, but we don't stop there. We're going to let you go deeper, dive deeper and show you um, things like, you know, let's say hypothetically, if you were losing strokes on driving, we'll be able to tell you, you know, if you add 12 yards to your distance, you're going to save 1.6 shots around um, or, or is it accuracy and too many penalties that's causing the issue? Like, are you um, possibly being too aggressive off the tee and you're not accurate enough? And as a result, you're having a lot of recovery shots that you have to hit. So you can't go for the green. Uh, or, 
a lot of penalties. So you'll, you'll be able to quantify like, okay, you're losing 1.3 shots in accuracy, but you're gaining 0.5 shots on driving distance versus your target handicap. That kind of breakdown has never existed in golf before. We'll also be able to tell you things like, you know, from a strategic standpoint, um, you're losing strokes on short and medium length par fours, but maybe you're gaining on longer ones. So it might be that you're being too conservative on those shorter holes. Um, um, but those are, I mean, obviously going to be personalized, different insights for different golfers. We'll be able to tell you by whole shape, like, is it, are you struggling on dog leg left, struggling on straight holes or dog leg right? Where are your weaknesses? We'll be able to pinpoint that. And similarly for approach game, we're going to be able to tell you what yardages are your problem yardages. And they'll take into account how often are you hitting approach shots from that yardage? Like from, a, let's say from a hundred to 150 yard bucket, you hit six and a half approach shots around on average. Uh, and by the way, that's costing you two and a half shots every round. And that's the bucket you need to focus on. We'll also be able to break it down by terrain. So, I mean, I, I was telling you this, I'm going on for a while, but um, I was telling you this before a call started. Like for me, as we started looking at this data, I saw that I was really good out of, um, so my target, I'm like currently about a one, I want to be a plus one. That's what I said. And so I was really playing well and gaining strokes against a plus one handicap out of the fairway from fairway approach shots from 100 to 150 yards. But I was losing about a shot and a half around from um, par three approach shots. And the only difference between my fairway and par three approach shots is I tee the ball up. So I started, um, and then that was like, I was like, huh, that's interesting because I never really practice on the range like a tee shot. Um, like a par three tee shot. I, uh, if I'm hitting my 100 to 150 yard clubs, they're always off the mat. I hit a lot of those shots in the fairway off the fairway, but the only time I hit it off the tee is when I'm actually playing a par three. So there's some difference there. And now I actually, for me, rather than practicing tee shots off uh, the mat, I just stopped hitting, uh, I just stopped kicking the ball up on par threes and I saw a remarkable improvement. But that kind of insight is what strokes gain lets you get. Um, so for each facet of your game, we're going to break it down, whether it's putting, like what length of putt are you struggling from? Um, and that's going to be really amazing because it's personalized. It'll be to the level, to to a target handicap that you want to. That never has been possible before in golf. And this is going to come out in May. It'll be groundbreaking. Awesome. Can't wait to check it out. Sal, thanks for thanks for hanging out today and, and sharing some of the data that you guys have been learning. And um, we'll have to check in again sometime to, to hear what other insights you guys have, have come up with. It sounds like awesome. you're always finding unique little insights like the, the dog leg, uh, the dog leg difficulty. <laughs> concept. Find so a lot more of those. Yeah. Fascinating. I, I'm curious to learn more, but uh, awesome. What is the, what is the spot that people should go check out to learn more, pick up their Arcos, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. They can go to arcosgolf.com or website and uh, purchase there. Um, we have a bunch of information. They can join our Facebook group, which is a closed group. It's Team Arcos. Um, that's like, I would say, the passionate, avid um, Arcos users. So there's a lot of really great conversations happening over there as well. Awesome. Thanks, Al. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you. And stay safe and good luck to everybody out there. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. It was great to have you join us for this episode. 
We have episodes coming out on a weekly basis. You should subscribe if you're listening to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're at. We are there. You know what would be really, really awesome is if you enjoyed this, it would be to leave a review. That helps more people find the podcast. This helps us grow um, faster so we can create more content for you and help educate you on really what's going on in this world of golf improvement from tour pros to instructors to leading companies. Um, Make sure to do that. It would be much appreciated. My name was Cordy Walker. Thank you so much for joining us on this program. This episode was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions.